the reason why I keep doing this and why if someone asks me on the street, like, hey, like, why don't you drink or at work? I get that a lot. I work at a pub <laughs> and people ask me all the time, like, how can you work here? Like, you're, you're an alcoholic. And I'm like, yeah, I'm like, but this isn't, you know, it's not the same. <laughs> From Darkness to Life contains the real stories of individuals who found their way out of the darkness caused by mental health challenges and substance abuse. If these stories resonate with you and you or someone you love need help and don't know where to turn, Our Collective Journey is here for you. Please reach out when you're ready to ourcollectivejourney.ca or on Facebook at Our Collective Journey. Welcome back to another edition of From Darkness to Life at the Plugged In Media Network studio here. Uh, Dave, say hi. Dave, listeners can't hear Dave. They can't hear Dave. Never mind. Dave's in the background singing right now. Are you sure you said hi, though? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, We're back here for another episode of From Darkness to Life. Rick, how are we doing today, buddy? Good. I had a sandwich. I had some lunch. Actually, I didn't have a sandwich. I had a happy meal. Happy meal. But I'm good. I think the theme lately is sandwiches. You love sandwiches. We just talked about that in our last episode. I do. Yeah. Sandwiches are my favorite. Absolutely. I may still be an addict. For sure. <laughs> That's our new social enterprise. We're going to come up with a business model on uh, recovery, social enterprise, and we're going to have a sandwich shop. Anyway, we got a guest here. They don't want to listen to our nonsense about <laughs> no. sandwiches too much longer. Sorry. <laughs> Where were we? Yeah. Back to, oh yeah, we're in a podcast. It's not just you and me in my car. Uh, Jessica's joining us this week. Jessica, say hi to the audience. Hello, everyone. Jessica's joining us. Rick has lined up Jessica to come in and speak with us today, and uh, let's get right into it. Well, I think just in our continuing efforts to not be, to be more inclusive and represent a greater demographic than just just six foot two fat old tattooed guys with beards. I'm only 5'11". Okay, sorry. Um, (laughs) He was giving you a leg up. (laughs) That's right. right. Uh, Yeah, and our continued effort to like bring bring the story of recovery out and... and, uh, let people hear stories that might relate to them so that they are more likely to reach out to us. I bring you Jessica Vossler. Hello. Hi. <laughs> um, so I've guess I first met Jessica a few years back in one of the 12 step rooms um, and kind of followed her social medias, I guess, and crossed paths a couple times, but um, she seems to be doing pretty well in sobriety and, pretty pumped to be there. So I was hoping you could tell us a little bit about your story and you know, the, what it was like, what you did and, and how it is now. Yeah, for sure. Um, like a lot of the other podcasts that I've listened to here, um, a lot of us, I feel like grew up in a small town where the only thing to do is drink. Mm-hmm. And, um, from, I don't even know how old I was or well, not old enough legally to drink, but, um, you know, there were, Bush parties and mm-hmm. sneaking into the bar and, you know, sneaking booze from your parents and all that stuff, right? It's just, uh, that's kind of how I grew up. Did you grow up in Swift Current too? I grew up in Brooks, Alberta. Oh. <laughs> There's definitely the a theme around dreams. Brooks, yeah. for sure. <laughs> sure. Smells yeah. like money there. It does, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, um, yeah, and then so as soon as I was old enough, um, Obviously, my dream was to work in a bar. (laughs) You know, um, uh, as soon as I was old enough, I was bartending um, along the lines of just kind of falling into that uh, 
social drinking atmosphere, mm-hmm. you know, um, where you work at the bar and then you go out for drinks after the bar. Um, I moved to Red Deer as soon as I graduated because uh, I wanted to GTFO out of Brooks. And uh, yeah, I moved to Red Deer, got a bookkeeping job first, and then I started working in the bars as well. And um, that was right before the recession. So it was booming. Mm-hmm. I was making tons of money and um, pretty much just going out every night and putting that money either into drinks or drugs. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it was just the lifestyle that I was living and I, everyone else was doing it around me. So it felt totally, totally normal. Sure. Um, I never had a day job per se when I was doing that. So I didn't have to get up in the mornings and uh, do normal people things. Yeah, <laughs> Red, Deer, Red Deer was a good time. Yeah. So we just, you know, went out for drinks at lunch and then, you know, worked our way back to coming back to work at night. And it was just a cycle that I got stuck in. And um, yeah, it was all fun and and amazing. And like I had some great times and met some great people. Um, But it's just when things start to catch up to you, I think I was probably like 25, 26 when things were kind of like, okay, I don't think I can do this for the rest (laughs) of my life. And um, I found that anytime I was going out, uh, my whole life, really, anytime I was going out, I was going out, I was drinking to get drunk. For sure. Like, I was never just having a couple beers, you know, socially with friends. Um, and that's why when anyone asks me ever, like, could, why, could, don't do you, do you think you could have just like one drink? And I'm like, <laughs> I never have in my whole life. So <laughs> why I don't now? think I could start now. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, then I, you know, ran into trouble with, um, obviously like the usual things once you're drinking all the time, work, um, money, um, you know, friends and relationships, um, my family, mm-hmm. everything really just started to deteriorate and, uh, my quality of life was super low. Um, it just kind of really, it really just crept up on me. Like I went from just partying all the time and having the greatest time to all of a sudden, like, you know, like I was in trouble. I was in trouble with the law. I was getting DUIs. I was, (laughs) you know, um, I got a DUI. I actually only ever got one, but I probably could have deserved a lot more. Um, but I got one and I blew like, I think three times the limit or something. And the judge was like, you have a drinking problem. And that was at 21. And I was like, Nah, I'm good. (laughs) People don't people don't have drinking problems at 21. Yeah, (laughs) you should have seen me last Thursday. That was a problem. Yeah, so you know, I just totally shrugged it off, Um, like anyone else does. Any any other young person, like you know, you don't think that what you're doing is leading up to anything that's going to cause you harm. Like you just think that you're partying and it's innocent and. No one's getting hurt and, you know, until someone does get hurt and then it's like might take you back a little bit and then you're like, well, maybe I should cut back just a tiny bit and mm-hmm. then, you know. That lasts a week. Maybe. If that, <laughs> <laughs> if yeah. that a couple days, you know. Um, but yeah, it's just, I was to the point where like part, like it was just part of my life. Drinking was part of my life. Um, everything that I did, I drank when I did it. Mm-hmm. Um, I moved to Calgary for a short period of time and then um, actually ended up moving back to Brooks. Um, I got engaged to a, a guy that I kind of grew up with most of my life, most of my teen life anyways. 
Um, he had a couple kids and uh, the relationship just kind of, it was more than I could handle, but I was trying to change, right? Mm. I was trying to be a better person. So I took on these responsibilities thinking that I was going to be a better person. Right. And all it did was put all this responsibility on me that drove me to drink even more <laughs> because, um, you know, I was at home and I was stressed and I was by myself and I all of a sudden had these kids to run around, like pick up after school and all this stuff. Um, you know, it was, it was, it was really hard. It was more than I was ready for. For sure. And more than I, and not what I was willing to admit that I was ready for, should I say. Yeah. Um, I wanted to be there. I wanted to be ready for that relationship and I wanted to be that person, but I still hadn't dealt with all these issues that had compounded from my past. For like sure. so many failed relationships and, you know, so much trouble that was literally just like following my coattails right to this new relationship. Um, so yeah, we ended up, it ended up not working. Um, I did go to uh, rehab. I went to rehab for 30 days. Um, I went out by Red Deer um, just because it was like a private rehab place that my parents graciously paid for for mm -hmm. me to go to. It wasn't cheap. <laughs> um, sadly, because all the, uh, you know, government mandated rehab places were full at the time. So, um, you know, it was either wait or go right now, which you know, my mm. situation became super dire that I needed to go right now. Right. And so, um, yeah, the, before in that relationship, before I was, uh, I should know this, before I was going, before I went to rehab, my drinking pattern had totally changed in that new situation. I used to be like drinking socially, parties, having <clears throat> people over. Um, it was a very party atmosphere. Whereas this way, I was definitely using alcohol as just a crutch, like mm -hmm. by myself, hiding it in the bathroom, like doing shots and like all time low, yeah. <laughs> you know, just using it um, in a totally different way than I ever thought I ever would. And uh, yeah, I was up to the point where I was drinking like a two six of vodka a day. And, uh, you know, I, uh, I went away to rehab. That was the longest I've ever been sober from in my life in a string of days. <laughs> but the problem was that when I came back, um, you know, despite efforts by my family and suggestions of how I should like kind of ease my way back into reality right. and uh, set up, you know, success for myself when I get home, um, I just jumped right back into what what I was doing mm -hmm. before. And, um, you know, in my, in my relationship at the time, um, you know, I think there was kind of like an understanding that you went to rehab and like, you were fine after that. You're like, <laughs> you're yeah, fixed. you drank like, the we were, fixed. we were definitely chatting about that earlier. Huh? Yeah. Like you, you went away for 30 days, like you come home and like, like that, like your life, it turns around and like all of a sudden, like, you know, you can do all the things again mm -hmm. and that severely isn't the issue isn't the way that things go um so I didn't set myself up for success at all um I came home and I went back to I think I maybe went to a couple meetings um I think I made a string of like maybe two weeks before I started drinking right. again exactly the way that I was um and my partner found out and uh he kicked me out of the house yeah which 
totally understandable. Yeah. I would have done the same. Um, so yeah, that's kind of where that relationship ended, but not where my drinking ended because I was like, Hey, you know, F you, like <laughs> I'm going to go do what I want to do. And, uh, so I pretty much like went away from my family, away from everyone that was trying to help me. Mm-hmm. And I ran away to Medicine Hat <laughs> and, uh, found people that would accept me for the degenerate alcoholic that I was and who wanted to hang out with me and party every day and drink every day and right. would accept me that way. And, uh, I found those people and I think I made it maybe eight months or so, maybe a year if we're lucky, um, before, uh, that relationship with that person that, uh, accepted me for my flaws mm-hmm. and he also had his flaws. Um, and then a couple of friends that were kind of in and out there too. friends use that term loosely. <laughs> um, I wish you could see the air quotes. <laughs> but, we, get, we get it. We've got the same friends with yes, air quotes. Yes. Um, so yeah, it was probably maybe, I maybe give it a year um, before that relationship ended. I pretty much just took what I could from those people and they took what they could from me. And that's the thing about addicts. Like that's, we're really just in it to use each other. For sure. So what can for, I get? Yeah. What can I get from you? And as soon as that person that well dries up for you with that person, it's on to the next. Yeah. And um, yeah, I found myself living in this chick's apartment with my friend, <laughs> her apartment. And um, I think we were in Crescent Heights. And I remember like maybe it was maybe the day of or the day before that I finally decided to call my parents and be like, hey, like I'm ready. Wow. And I mean, like in the past, my parents were at the point where they were like, you know, I'm sorry, but we can't do this anymore. Mm-hmm. Like we did the rehab thing. We, you know, put up with all your crazy things that have gone on in your life, you know, jail and, you know, getting DUIs and all this stuff. And they're like, you know, we just can't, <laughs> we can't do it anymore. And so my, I remember my mom telling me that like, if you're, she's like, I don't want to, hear your phone calls. She's like, the only next phone call I want from you is when you're actually ready to get sober. And she's like, that's the only one I'm willing to take. And so I was like, okay. So, but yeah, I woke up in this apartment and I remember, I think this, this was my rock bottom out of everything. Like I had lost a relationship. I had lost, um, you know, stepchildren pretty much with this relationship that I watched grow up for a couple of years. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I lost friends, I lost family, um, tons of like jobs. <laughs> uh, I got a criminal record. Um, everything like you know things like that. Um, but it I, I don't know why. But until that day, it wasn't my rock bottom. Until I was that person walking to the liquor store across the street with a handful of change in like my pajamas to get there for ten a.m. when the liquor store opened because I needed that drink. Yeah. And I put my change down on the table and got that. I think I all I could afford was like a Mickey. And I went back and I like was struggling to get it down. And I was just like, this is the way that my life is going to be. Like, mm-hmm. I had no foreseeable income. I There's no way that I could go out and get a job in the condition that I was in. So I was like, what, like, what am I going to do? I'm just going to like 
borrow money from people until I can like, right. you know, you're just, you're just working to feed your habit at that point. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, that's why I think I shouldn't say I have like an unfounded respect for a lot of people that end up on the streets or whatever, but I can see how it gets that way. For sure. You know, like I can see that. And luckily, thank God <laughs> that I had, I still had my parents to call mm-hmm. at that point. And I mean, they picked me up. Um, my mom arranged for a bed in Brooks at the hospital for me. Um, this would be, I don't even know, maybe the fifth time that I detox in the hospital. All the other times I maybe made it a couple days until I felt like I was good to go. Good enough to go again. Yeah, good enough to go and then signed myself out and literally just marched right over to the liquor store. Right. Yeah. Um, So this was the last time that I detoxed was in Brooks. My parents picked me up. I remember it clearly. We stopped at, my mom wanted to get my taxes done. (laughs) (laughs) I know. She's that that mom. (laughs) But um, I had a big tax return because of the uh, rehab that they paid for. Oh, yes. Um, So she wanted to get that in like a savings for me, you know, to set. She's very, very much a planner. Nice. Thank God for her. (laughs) But I I remember that we were, we went to Moxie's for lunch. um, And I remember sitting there and, um, my dad was like buying me shots of vodka because he's like, like you need to get through till when we get you to Brooks. And like at that point I just had like the most upper, like the most respect for my parents. Like they understood what I was going through. Like the doctor also explained to them, like, right. like her body like needs this at this point. And it's sure. like, you know, if not, you go into withdrawal and you know, no one wants to be, yeah. no one wants to be there. So, um, yeah, I made it to detox in Brooks and I was there for maybe a week. I did the full, full run this time. I made it all the way through and, um, you know, from then on, um, my mom, I lived with my parents for almost a year, um, which was super interesting (laughs) in your (laughs) thirties. Definitely humbles you. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, they were full reign of my life. Um, my my dad got a blow box for me to to test. Um, my day was filled with either meetings or like I was always supervised because um, I had lost all trust. I didn't sure. have any of their trust anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I had lived with them for a year. Um, I was waiting to get into another rehab facility. Um, Aventa. Yeah. Uh, I was on the list. Um, and it just kind of progressed that I was doing meetings. I was going to counseling with a, it, with a counselor there in Brooks. And um, I was kind of just doing all the work on by myself. Did that counselor by any chance give you a rubber band to wear on your wrist? Yes. <laughs> Interesting. I maybe know that counts. <laughs> yes. And um, yeah, so I saw I saw a few different counselors just because they were kind of cycling through, but um, they were all very, very helpful. Good. Um, telling your story over and over again gets a little bit repetitive mm-hmm. to new people, but um, like I'm sitting here and telling it today, it's honestly like I the reason why I keep doing this and why if someone asks me on the street, like, 
hey, like, why don't you drink or at work? I get that a lot. I bet you do. I work at a pub (laughs) and people ask me all the time, like, how can you work here? Like you're, you're an alcoholic. And I'm like, yeah, I'm like, but this isn't, you know, Mm -hmm. it's not the same. (laughs) Like I still love the pub atmosphere. This is kind of like what I've done my whole life. I love it. Um, but yeah, that one, that one drink, like I say, I just play the tape forward and see exactly where I would be. Absolutely. Um, again, so I did all the work by myself. Um, I wasn't able to get into the treatment facility, but at that point I felt like I was, I was good. So I moved in with, uh, a friend in Brooks, like uh, rented a room off a girl and, uh, continue to work in Brooks. And, um, yeah, there's... After that, I ended up coming back to the hat um, for a boy. <laughs> uh, They'll get you. Always chasing those boys. <laughs> um, yeah, and like I said, I've just been living living my life ever since I came back to the hat, and I immediately got in with a counselor, um, which is something that is really huge. And I think that it's I don't know if it's like a stigma still or not but it shouldn't be yeah because it's honestly just like it it made me and even now like I still have the same counselor I don't go to see him very often but um you know he is there if I need to mostly just help in making decisions Mm -hmm. because I feel like my whole adult life I haven't I haven't made educated decisions I made decisions based on a whim at most. Um, I was just blazing through my life. Um, so yeah, like those initial like issues that come up in your life. Um, cause I mean, once you get sober, it's not like it's rainbows and sunshine. (laughs) (laughs) It's not like every single problem that you ever had just automatically disappears, unfortunately. And that's, that's, that's the hard part. And I think that's what gets a lot of people is that you get sober and then you are faced like dead hard in the face with those problems For that sure. have been there the whole time. You've just <clears throat> been masking them. So um, dealing with those problems. Absolutely. Like I took advice from my parents, but I also took advice. I wanted to get advice from someone like a third party yep. um, making clear headed decisions about my future, about things that, you know, I, I didn't think I'd have a future right. <laughs> when I went into the hospital for my last detox. My doctor straight up told me like, you'd have 10 years to live if you continue on this path. And he's like, I'm going to tell you right now, like it's not going to be a pleasant 10 years. Right. Like it's going to be probably hell for you. And I mean, I was at that already. I felt mm-hmm. so I was like, there's no way I'm dragging this on for another 10 years. Right. But wow. yeah. Yeah. I, 10 years. If you're lucky. Yeah. When your organs start failing and your drinking escalates even more and things yeah. get way worse. Yeah, because it's like <laughs> it's not, you know, that couple drinks that you used to have that got you buzzed doesn't no, n- even cut sure. it anymore. So, yeah, it's totally like I believe wholeheartedly in the progression of the disease of alcoholism. It's it just compounds and uh yeah, I just found myself in a place that I I literally was helpless, you know, Mm -hmm. as helpless. And uh, for someone that's very independent like myself, um, I've always thought in life, you know, I had the freedom 
I'm using air quotes. I had the freedom to drink. Yeah. You know, that was my choice. That was my freedom. Um, that was my right. And uh, now it's like the only way that I have freedom is if I don't drink because that drinking just like led me into a prison because you wake up in the morning and you have to drink like mm -hmm. you have to or your body it shuts down for sure um and so like yeah it just it took over my life it took over my relationships I lost a lot um but once I came back to the hat and started building new friendships um with new people um started taking my life back and growing um, I tried to rekindle some relationships from the past. Um, but the fact was that they were still, they might be growing a little bit and learning, but they were not at the same rate as me. Right. And I think that's super, like that's something to really acknowledge. And it's hard to acknowledge because you have to let those people go. Mm -hmm. um, when you are outgrowing those people, um, they're just tying you down from what what you can accomplish as a person. And I mean, whether it's a relationship or a friendship, um, I was just at the point where I was like, you know, sky's the limit, baby. Like I'm riding on like two years sober and I'm like, nothing's holding me back. Right. So, mm -hmm. you know, I cut ties with people that didn't serve me anymore and um, it hurt, but you know, it's something now that I feel like I just don't have time for I don't have time for people anymore that weigh me down or yeah. that, you know. I think there is a lot of grieving that comes with, you know, I think grieving is the right word that comes with giving up. For sure. Everything, right? And for sobriety. Because, like, first of all, you're giving up that one thing that's been there for you, like your security blanket forever, right? Mm -hmm. Whether it's booze or drugs or the combination or sex or whatever that might be to whoever. Um, to walk away from that security blanket, there's absolutely a sense of loss that can really only be described as grief, I think. Yeah. But then, you know, you get, you get a little bit of time under you. And like you said, you know, things start feeling really good, but then it's almost like you go through a second loss. Cause you start looking, you know, I was dying. I was trying desperately to get back all of the things that I had lost. And then once you do, you're like, I don't want this mm -hmm. or this isn't good for me. Right. Yeah. And so you almost have to kind of tear off this bandaid and go through that again and, and realize like, I've, I've got to make, more changes than just stopping doing that mm -hmm. i sure. need to fundamentally change the things around me if i want to stay that way and and it is like grief for sure because you there's so much loss mm -hmm. and not to make it sound shitty like totally fucking worth it but <laughs> in the moment it's it, you know there is a lot of challenge in that and i think that's where a lot of people go back out too oh for sure yeah and especially if you don't like when you're cutting those people and or things out of your life, like you have to have that support to back you up. Like you have to have a supplement there. To, yes. Yeah. yeah. Like anything else. Like when I first got sober, like I poured my heart and soul into getting healthy again. Right. So I was like overboard. I was going to the gym. I was working out. I was, I was doing a diet plan. Like I, you know, like, all in because sure. I mean as addicts you're an addict as addicts yeah. <laughs> we're all in right and then I got to the point where I was like okay like I need to like <laughs> whoa 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 <laughs> like there needs to be some balance too there like I need to have relaxation and I need to have like things that I enjoy other than just like this one goal because setting yourself up for failure looks like having a one goal 
And if you don't reach that goal by this time that you set for yourself, like you are a failure. Which typically is an unrealistic goal with an unrealistic timeline. Yes, of course. <laughs> yes. Yeah, like right now. Yeah. Tomorrow. Right now. <laughs> I want to lose 20 pounds today. That's right. So I'm going to yeah. cut my arm off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but like that's that's what life looks like for me now. It's it's like it's a give and take. It's like it's, you know, doing the things that make me happy and uh doing the things that add to add to myself as a person, like education, um, whether it's even just reading a book or like listening to audiobooks or, you know, like I, I'm a firm believer that every single day going forward, once I got sober, my, my only goal and like, I had a ton of goals, let me tell you, but my only one goal was to just make each day better than the last Mm -hmm. in just like a tiny, tiny way. Like, You didn't make your bed yesterday? Fucking make your bed today. Yeah. You know, like just do like one tiny thing that you didn't do yesterday that you could do today that would make your life better. And uh, that was huge for me in the beginning because, of course, like I looked at myself in the mirror and I was like, my face was puffy. I was probably 50 pounds overweight. And like I looked the most unhealthy that I've ever looked in my life. And I was like, I want to change this. I want this to change now, (laughs) you know, and, uh, but you can't change things overnight. And, uh, it's more than just my body that needed healing Mm -hmm. for sure. So it was, it was quite the journey and it still is. Um, I just feel like anything, any sort of thinking as far as like negative thinking or thinking about, um, using drugs or alcohol to solve my problems these days I just think that's a that's a giant leap backwards. For sure. For sure. <laughs> and I mean it sounds like common common sense, <laughs> but it's really like it's not. Like mm-hmm. just think if your goal is to take one step forward every day, why take a slide backwards? Like, you know, that just For sure. I, it's so simple that it's so hard is the thing. <laughs> but no, I've I've grown a lot and uh and I'm on to bigger and better things. And I love my job still. And I love the people that are in my life. And uh, I have so much support. I have made a point of making it like absolutely transparent um, about my situation. The fact that I am an alcoholic. The fact that I don't drink. Mm-hmm. I don't do drugs. Um, I make that very apparent to everyone. Um, that is a part of my success, um, holding me accountable. Um, because every single person that cares about me, every single person at work, they all know, and they all like, you know, if I had a bad day or whatever, like they know that if they ever see me reaching for a drink, like it's a bad, bad day. Like, and it's interfere. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's interesting. I don't even know if you know this, but I've had, I personally, through like our social medias and stuff, have had two people that have reached out to OCJ for support that are in your circle that you actually, that referenced you as their support, which is pretty cool. Um, yeah. So, and and I think, it, I, well, they they come from your industry, not necessarily your, the same place, but your mm-hmm. industry. And, uh, and so for sure, like whether... You know, just to give you a pat on the back, I guess it like it's it's working. You being transparent about about it is 
is definitely having an impact on people's lives and uh, improving their quality of life. And just, you know, I, I fucking hate the word stigma, but that's what it is, right? It's just it, the more we normalize, like, not not even so much addiction and substance use, but recovery. Like, that's, yeah. I think, ultimately the goal is, is you know, to redefine what this looks like and, and put and focus on the positive. And, like, there, there is, everybody's got a comeback story to write. Mm-hmm. For sure. Um, you know, you, you don't need to look too far to find a story that could have ended, you know, and, and, uh, could have ended way early. Yeah. And, and I've lost way too many friends yeah. over the years. Um, I'm sure we all have. And, uh, it's sad mm-hmm. and it's sad that the thing that's holding them back is shame or embarrassment. Um, and like I, I hear a lot of people say like, I don't want to go to AA meetings. Like they're stupid and whatever, but like, you know what? Like, just think of it as a group of bunch of people like sitting around talking about like their life, mm-hmm. like the shitty parts of their life and the good parts of their life, like, and showing you exactly how they went from the shitty to the good. Yeah. And I mean, like, it's to me, it was like, it was a no brainer. Like the, I wanted to be in those rooms because I wanted to feel like there was a chance. And I mean, when I was in Brooks going to AA meetings, which is where I did, went to most of them, um, great group of people, about 90% guys, about 90% over 50. <laughs> so, you know, like they're like, oh, I have 15 years of sobriety and I'm in there just holding on to like my three days. Right. So, I mean, like it's totally, I can see where it comes off as like overwhelming or like mm-hmm. stuffy. Like you don't want to be in a room full of like old people when you're 20 years old and you're, you know, trying to get help. Right. But it's like, those are the people that you need to listen to because they were 20 years old too. And they, that's when they had their problems and whatever. But when I came to medicine, had, I went to a few meetings and uh, there's much more diversity Mm -hmm. in age for sure. And gender. Um, And, you know, everyone's just trying to hold on to like a few days or a few months or whatever. And if you can walk in there and you have a few years, like everyone wants to hear like what you did. Yeah. Like, what's your secret? <laughs> and, you know, when I tell when I tell people at the pub, like, yeah, sorry, like, I can't drink. Like, you don't need to buy me a drink or whatever. And they, I say, yeah, I'm an alcoholic. And they laugh and say, huh, me too. And I said, no, like, really, like, I have a problem. And, you know, mm-hmm. I was that girl with my change standing there at 9.59 waiting for the liquor store to open. And they're like, what? Because they look at me now and they don't see that girl. For sure. And neither do I, thankfully. But, uh, you know, that to me is just a testament of, like, how much this whole system works. And, like, if you don't want to do AA meetings, then go to counseling or do both. Like, mm-hmm. the, the more I was doing everything. For sure. Because I wanted to prove to my parents as a 30-year-old woman that I could live by myself again. <laughs> <laughs> and I could have a car. Yeah. And I could, because they took away everything, Right. Right. I, ha- I could have a car and I could have my own bank account and I could do the things. And, you know, like, I think that it, as an adult, like, if you have the opportunity to do that for yourself, like, pour, pour, pour everything into it, you know, like, take every little ounce of help that everyone will give you. And I always say to people, like, message me, like, you got questions, like, message me, I don't care. You know, if you want to hear about ask me anything. What's the shittiest 
sober day, you know, sure, like yeah. <laughs> still beats, still beats any day drinking. <laughs> yeah, isn't that the truth? Yeah. Well, and it's interesting that you say that too, because even the last guest that we had, um, this doctor, he was talking about how, you know, the statistics for people in 12 step programs that actually do the 12 step program, don't just show up and sit there quietly in the corner and try to get it through osmosis. Um, they've got a really good success rate. And if you talk to people that just go to counseling, they've got a decent success rate, not as good as 12 step, but decent. But if you talk to people that do both or like have multiple supports in place, astronomical increase in their success rate. And I think he said that they measure success, long-term sobriety by five years of Mm -hmm. uninterrupted sobriety. So it's like, you know, exactly what you're saying there's a lot of little things that you can do that can provide medial success. But when you combine all of them and you, you commit to it, like that's the thing, right? Is you got to be like, fuck it. I quit. I give up whatever I got to do. I'll take all of it. Absolutely. Um, And, and that's like, also, you know, I don't know how many people you meet at their rock bottom there, you know, that day. And I fuck it. I'm like, you, you don't even know how lucky you are right now. You know, I know that today feels like the shittiest, worst day of your life. And it is today, but I promise you look back on today is like the best day of your life. Cause this is the day that you started rewriting the book. Right. And it's, uh, it's awesome. It's yeah. Great. hundred percent. You just totally like change your like mental outlook as soon as you consciously make that decision and not like half-ass like yeah, yeah I want to quit maybe I'll do it on like Friday or yeah. like yeah. actually I have a party coming up so maybe I'll yeah. wait till after Monday. that vacation well then, it's, then it's summer's coming yeah, yeah. Like, I really like a beer with golf <laughs> totally. and then there's always drinks at Christmas yeah. And, yeah yeah like that's the that's the kind of people where I'm like you know what I was like then maybe you're not ready like yeah. you yeah. know come if you're when you're ready like come talk to me or go get yeah, the help for sure like Cause that day that I decided that I was ready, like there, it was like a switch. Mm-hmm. Like you just hit that switch and my mental, my mental wavelength or whatever switched from how am I getting my next drink to how am I going to fix all the shit that has gone wrong in my life? Like, wow. let's take it one step at a time. Wow. You know, like waking up, like waking up every morning in that hospital bed and detox, I was like journaling reading books, you know, mm-hmm. trying to like, trying to make a plan, you know, cause as my mom, I am a planner. <laughs> I got it from her, <laughs> but yeah, it's, and it's a big job, but I mean, I was excited to take on new things and to have like myself as kind of like a project, I guess, For sure. you know, kind of start finding what you're, what you're into and what your purpose is. Cause we, when you're out there using it and you're drinking out every day, it, that's just kind of a foreign thing, right? There's nothing out there that was driving me that didn't involve alcohol or drugs. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what I liked anymore. No. As long as there was booze involved, I was going. I didn't know if yeah. I'd like it, but I'd stay there and drink all your booze and then I was going to- somewhere tolerated else. Tolerated it at yeah, the very right? least. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a cool adventure when you get into recovery. And that's the way I look at it too, is it's, it's not work. It's an adventure. Like what else is coming my way and what else can I, you know, successfully get through and if I don't get through it, I'm going to learn from it and I'm not going to do it again. I'm going to do it differently next time. And it's just this continuing growth cycle, which is pretty cool. Well, what I really liked that you said too, is, you know, even just waking up and making your bed, like those small little goals. Cause, cause we do, we have a tendency of setting these, you know, like the, the smart goals, right. Um, the, in, 
a lot of time people are like, you know, especially those first couple of days, like exactly like you said, I need to get fit. I'm going to start dieting. I'm going to go to the gym. I'm going to quit smoking. And it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Let's, let's start by making your bed today. And, and that's a practice sure. that we, that we at OCJ do when you come in and you're, and you're a client with us is we, we start with really attainable goals, but we measure them and we celebrate the success because from there you start seeing the momentum and you start accomplishing things and that sense of, yes, I can starts building back up again. But if you start with, I'm only going to eat green things for the rest of my life and like, yeah. You're going to fail. Sorry, you've already said you're not going to drink for the rest <laughs> yeah, of your life. Yeah, like, for sure. <laughs> take it easy on yeah, yourself. E- exactly. Like, you can have a donut now and then. E- exactly. <laughs> yeah, no. And it's like the, like, it's felt so good to like check off those little boxes as you go. Like, yes, I did accomplish that. And it's so, so, so important to find support. Like, whether it's a group like this or whether it's like just a few friends that you can message like on the daily and be like, hey, guys, like, I did this today Mm -hmm. and like they will cheer for you and they'll cheer you on. And like, I had that in my family and I had that in my relationships and I had that in my friendships. And you know, that's where, that's where I saw success is. And that's where I still see success. Like I partner with like people who are like-minded and who all need that little community Mm -hmm. um, where, you know, if something shitty is happening, like, like people are there for you. Or if something great is happening, like they're like, hey, congratulations. For sure. You know, because as small as it sounds, like a lot of people don't have that. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where that's where you find and this whole like sobriety journey has really found me like a whole other little group of people. Totally. You know, and it's great. And they're all positive and they're all out doing things, which I love. Like I've never come across someone who's gotten sober who's just been like yeah, like my life is okay. Like I sit on the couch and watch TV (laughs) and like, no, like people are like out doing things because I think as an addict who's gotten sober, like your energy level, once you, once you take that demon off your back is like, holy crap. Like, (laughs) you know, and like, I've been riding this wave now for five years and I'm like, the energy is still there. Every morning I wake up and I have things to do because I have planned things to right. do and I have goals for myself and I still do the same mm-hmm. one tiny little thing every single day, each day to make my day better than the last. And uh, I don't plan on ever moving backwards, not even just one step. So I think when I got sober, it took me six days to have a shower. <laughs> like that was a good goal. Day six. Yeah. Like, <laughs> get this funk off you. Yeah. <laughs> and I sell, well, I didn't necessarily celebrate, but like you, I, well, like all of us in the room, I landed on my mother's couch yep. at 30 some years old. I was 40. I, I think she was pretty happy that I had a shower that day too. Yeah. Here's, yeah. here's a salute to moms out there. <laughs> I think we, we thank our moms all the time on here because without them, I don't know. Yeah. Be no, for sure. And like uh, when I was going to the meetings, um, uh, I actually just made a realization like the other day or maybe it was in March because that was like my five year whatever. But I was like looking at the AA promises again. And I don't know if you guys are familiar with it or not, you but it, it's honestly like this list of things that like when you look at it, when you first get into those rooms, like you're like, none of this shit's going to happen Bullshit. for me. Bullshit. Yeah. yeah. Like it, it's like none of this is going to happen for me. 
like you guys, where do you expect me to like your miracle workers or yeah. something? Like you're going to change <laughs> Maybe other life. people, but not me. Yeah. 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 And like, like with anything else, like, um, you know, anything else that I've achieved that I was like, holy, like, I didn't think I could get that. Like, I just looked at those promises the other day and I'm like, holy shit. Like all these things have actually happened for me. Right. Like for the first time in my life, like I have a savings account, you know? I don't know about it's anyone good. else, but that was, that was a huge goal for me. <laughs> big day. <laughs> it's a big day. Yeah. And like, you know, like I have, you know, solid relationships and I like, I don't feel like I wake up every morning, like missing something. And that's how I felt for a, a long, long, long time. For sure. So. And that's, crazy. and that's an important thing too. That's a really important message. I think that, you know, more, more people contemplating giving, giving up substance. Um, you know, as much as I talked about earlier, you know, the grief process of losing that, it doesn't take that long before I didn't lose any, like, I don't know. I'm shit in the bed trying to explain it's like, this. It's like breaking up with like a bad boyfriend or something. Like, you don't you miss know, it. That's yeah, what I'm saying. Like, like you don't like miss it. For the first yeah. like couple weeks, you're like, oh, that kind of sucks that I don't have that anymore. And then, but then all these positive things have happened because- right. The universe said, yeah, that was a, that was a good decision that you ditched that or that mm -hmm. person or whatever. And now here's your life. Like now moving on, like all these positive things have happened. And the only <clears throat> thing that I can like, literally the only thing that I can attribute every single inch of what I have in my life to is the fact that I decided to get sober. For sure. Like. I know it sounds corny and when anyone ever ever told me that in the past, I was like, huh, yeah, cool dude. You made one yeah. decision and your yeah, whole right. life just fucking turned it's around. A pretty big right? decision. Yeah. yeah. But it's true. Like I would lose everything if I went back. For sure. And it's so easy to just slip right back into the, you know, yeah. I have five years, but like if I had a drink tomorrow, like mm -hmm. I would be could easily end up right in front of the liquor store again. Totally. Yeah. Naked in Houston. <laughs> Not sure when, but someday it'll happen again. But you know, like listening to that, it really reminds me of when you said, you know, all the looking at all the promises at the start, right? Yeah, bullshit, right? And that's what I always think about when I went into treatment and into my 12-step program. All I wanted was to be relieved of this obsession to use drugs and alcohol. Everything else I didn't care about. I just wanted that out of my life. And, you know, seven years later, like you said, all these gifts and all these promises have come true. And I always relate it back to, you know, like the, the crisis or the reason I got into recovery isn't the reason that keeps me in recovery now. Mm -hmm. And it's all these promises that have started to come true because of the work I've been doing and, and doing work for others and all this stuff. Right. And that's what keeps me in recovery today. And, and that's, what's enabled all these promises to keep coming true. And then more stuff, you, you know, st our good friend, Stacy always says, if I would have got, uh, the obsession and compulsion to use, if that's the only thing I got at the start of recovery, I would have sold myself so short now that we have some long-term recovery. And I'm like, man, that makes so much sense because the gifts have just kept coming. Yeah. At the, mm -hmm. at the beginning, at the beginning, honestly, the only thing I wanted was either honestly to die mm -hmm. or to stop feeling like I wanted to die yeah. one or the other. And I would, I would have been fine with either one, honestly. Like yeah, in that's that moment, how, that's how dark it was. It was sure. either, let this end or I, it needs to, this feeling needs to go away. Cause I can't keep living in this limbo of in between. Mm -hmm. It's like that purgatory is hell. And, uh, 
100%. It's like living just doesn't look like it's like the right option, right. like like a good option even. Like, yeah, I've defi- definitely been down that road before and it's, yeah, it's it's scary to think that that's where that's where this took me. Yeah. You know? Well, like, it's kind of hopeless, right? There's no examples when you're in that moment of hope. No. Of recovery. Like we talk about it now, how recovery is possible. But in that moment, I didn't know anyone in recovery. I'm like, fuck, this is where it ends. Or I'll end up on Hastings. One of the two, I know it. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and and realistically, I think the, you know, the, the OCJs, the AAs, the counselors, the crisis teams, the just Jessica at the bar, like, in a crisis moment, very little of that will work. Yeah. You know, like you, you're already past that threshold. Like that, that success happens weeks, if not months before that moment. Um, not to say like, if you're in that moment, don't contact anybody for sure. Still contact people. But, um, usually by that point, what it takes is that moment like you had when you're like, I'm fucking done. Right. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and for some people that comes by way of attempted suicide. Um, and luckily some people come that way just by whatever, whatever you feel that intervention was that, mm-hmm. it, that got you to, to just kind of throw your hands up. But um, yeah. And it looks, it looks so different for everyone. Cause I mean, mm-hmm. my, my attempt at suicide wasn't even my, wasn't even my wake up call. Yeah. Sadly, yeah. Right. <laughs> you know, but uh, yeah, it's just, I think it was just feeling like there was no future. Like, and like, I'm a very, like, I like to be like a spur of the moment. Like, I don't like to know what's happening next in my life. Like, I like to keep it like fresh. Right. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, like it, I looked in the mirror and I was like, this is literally going to be every single fucking day for the rest of my life. And if it's only about 10 years, like that's going to be a long ass 10 years. (laughs) For sure. But like, so I, that's why, like, that's why I made my decision is because I knew exactly what was going to happen in my future. And like, I don't want to know, like, I want to keep that open. I want to know, you know, there's things now that are possible for me that I never thought were possible. Fuck. We're kicking each other, pinching each other all the time going. It's one of the most frequent statements out of the two of us. Can you fucking believe this just happened to us? Considering where we were, like, yeah, it's, right? uh, it's pretty remarkable. Yeah. And I think like there shouldn't be a stigma because like th- th- I have so much more respect for someone who's gone through all this and, and has come out on the other side mm-hmm. and they're telling their story than for, you know, like the majority of the population that is dealing with alcohol and substance abuse, like, like why, are you, like, don't hide it. Like, <clears throat> like people like the right people in your life are going to respect you mm-hmm. for making those decisions. And they're going to look up to you for sure. Like I have never been greeted with anything, <laughs> but like, Hey, that's great. Like way to go. Like, yeah. The only judgment or shitty response that I got is from people that aren't in my life anymore. Exactly. Yeah. And, and I'm healthier because totally. of it. Yeah. Well, yeah. And, and, uh, I hate to burst anyone's bubble who's out there listening, but you know, we all, I did it too. We go for so long thinking we're so good at hiding this. People know. Yeah. Oh yeah. People know. So, I mean, it's, it's yeah, time to reach as, out. As soon as you turn a leaf to like looking better or like, yeah. you know, a little bit better, even people are like, Hey, like 
you look good today. Yeah. Or like, what'd you do? Something's different. You know? yeah, yeah. Like they start noticing. Sure Ryan, you do. haven't told me I look good in a few days. I'm, it's been a couple of days. I'm a little sad. Don't worry. I'm a man of honesty. I'll let you know when you are looking Thanks. good. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I'll let you know. <laughs> Got to go get my hair did, I guess. That's right. That's enough kibitzing in here. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. We just lost four listeners. (laughs) Whatever. Now we're down to two. It's all good. Well, three. I expect there to be at least three moms listening now. Yeah, that's right. Um, Yeah, we're kind of coming up to our the end of our hour here. Is there any, any advice you have or any last words of wisdom you wish to impart? Um, my only advice is that like, if, if you, if any of this like struck a chord with you, if you think that you might have a problem, like don't wait, don't wait for the summer. Don't wait because you have a golf trip or a vacation. Like just go get the help now. Yeah. Like that, those vacations are going to be there for you when you get back and they're going to be even fucking better. That's right. Like everything about your life is going to be better. Like what I did when I like, first got sober as I made like because I wanted to know and I you know my I think it was maybe one or two years in I made a list of things that were wrong with my life that that like I problems that I needed to fix and like all of those problems like in some way related to my addiction Mm -hmm. um so I mean like if you're listening and you're you know you have some issues at home or whatever like take a good look in the mirror and like, how many of those issues could you solve today or actually be on the road to solving, I should say, if you decided to <clears throat> stop drinking or using drugs, yeah. you know, like the for world sure. is like, and it just, I'm not even going to lie to you. Like it opens up, the world just opens up for you, the possibilities. Um, once you decide that that's the step that you want to take, um, but no one can decide that but you. And uh, so many people in my past tried to decide it for me, mm-hmm. <laughs> tried to pressure me, tried to tell me that I was, I was, I was saved. I was good, you know? Um, but I, no one decides that for you, but you. And uh, if you want to quit today because you listen to this podcast and you're like, oh, I really feel like I should quit today because of this, like, take a good look at yourself. Like, are, why are you quitting because you heard a podcast or are you quitting because like, this is what is good for your life. Like make mm-hmm. yourself some goals and look at it and be like, if I stay sober for one year, two years, three years, like, can I achieve these goals? And for I mean, sure. the answer is absolutely 1000%. Yeah. So that's really cool. One of the other things that, that kind of resonates with what I promised myself at the start was I'm going to do everything I can till I hit one year in recovery. And if I don't like it or, you know, life hasn't gotten any better, I can always go back out drinking and use it. Yeah. And, and it's like a money back guarantee for sure. Right. So I did it and I made one year and I was like, Holy shit, there's no way I'm going back there. I want to see what year two brings. And now we're at year seven and it just gets better. Right. And you're, I don't even think I'm going to talk anymore. You wrap that up quite nicely. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a thousand percent like you. Yeah. Money back guarantee for is a hundred percent. Yeah. If you, if you're sober for a few months and you think it's just the shittiest few months or a year of your life, then you know where you know where the liquor store is yeah. like there's one on every corner totally so. right <laughs> absolutely yeah. well th- <laughs> thank you so much I don't know that we can say anything better to wrap that up no I think that was nice <laughs> thank, thank you guys thanks for coming out of course
From Darkness to Life is an Our Collective Journey podcast. These are the true stories of struggles and triumphs against addiction and mental health challenges. If these stories resonate with you and you or someone you love need help and don't know where to turn, Our Collective Journey is here for you. Please consider supporting OCJ by visiting ourcollectivejourney.ca and clicking donate. All proceeds go to supporting the health and wellness of people in our community. Hosted by members of Our Collective Journey. Produced by Rob Pape. Engineered, edited, and directed by Dave Cruikshank. From Darkness to Life is a plugged-in media network exclusive. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening.